Hey, I'm Greg. And I'm Nathaniel. Welcome to Only an Inkling, where we only talk about the Inklings. And we only have an inkling of what we're talking about. <laughs> Nathaniel, I don't think in the preface we really introduced ourselves. No. Nathaniel is a botanist, and he, he's, he's <laughs> laughing because he'll, he'll tell you not really, but he really is. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, let me just say this much. You didn't go to school to be a botanist, but you know more than someone who went to school to be a botanist does because you've been at it for a long time and that's been what you've been about your yeah. whole life. Yeah, I've been, I've been, so yeah, like Greg said, I didn't, I don't have an education in botany or horticulture, but I, formally anyway, but I, I've been interested. I discovered my obsession at age 15, and I'm 32 now, so. Old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a weird obsession with being old men, don't we? Yeah, we do. We have since we were like in our early 20s. I got Greg a cane one time as a joke for his birthday. And secretly, I loved it. <laughs> Spoke my love language. Yeah, so um, I, I, I mentioned your background because I think that that will contribute to interesting conversations because I don't know many botanists and so you're going to be in a different headspace sure. that I think could make some really unique applications to whatever we study. Well, thank you. Yeah, of course. And then I'm going to try to focus as much as I can on psychologically related things because that's what I'm into yeah and so I, I do a thing called wisdom coaching for those who don't know and essentially I want to help people grow in wisdom uh, in God's wisdom in particular looking at the proverbial tradition of the Old Testament and incorporating any uh, therapeutic techniques that are out there that aren't far-fetched or wouldn't align with what would yeah. be God pleasing? <laughs> Which most therapies out there are, are good-hearted, I think so. But it's just it's what your what your intention is at the yeah. end of the day, I suppose. But um, so I think we're going to have some really fascinating conversations as we go yeah. throughout. I think um, so. Greg is, as he said, he's going to focus on psychology, and um, it's interesting that he and I are such good friends and we have such different views of, of the world in that way because when he approaches a psychological approach I learn a lot and I also squirm in my seat the whole time because I'm very uncomfortable with it but it's really good for me so well, I, yeah, I, I think uh, we can get into those debates because that yeah. would be fun and yeah maybe we can show people a thing or two that you can disagree and still be friends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a lost heart. And we've had our debates before and we're fine. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think we're both changed for the better. Hopefully. I think so too. Yeah. So we're here in chapter one and if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to set the stage for a minute. Okay. So people know in case they haven't read the screw tape letters, screw tape is a demon. Yes. And, he is writing letters to his nephew, a He's younger also demon, a demon. Yeah. yeah, named Wormwood. Yes, and he is training Wormwood how to deceive this young guy. They refer to as the patient. The patient. Yeah. yeah. In my Spanish version, I'm sorry, I refer to my Spanish version because 
that's the version I'm more familiar with. I've read more from. Okay. I just recently started referring to the English one to make sure we're talking about the same thing because in the English one they call it the the man or like your guy. Like, yeah. Here is your guy you've been uh, assigned to. But anyways, yeah, they call him the patient because Wormwood um, is going to be working on this guy. Yeah. Um, as his patient. Uh, by working on him, I mean he wants to deceive him and ultimately have him locked up in hell. Yeah. Is the end game. And so, Screwtape is cunning, is, is really brilliant, really split hairs. Yes. It's highly philosophical, just uh, as Extremely evil. astute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pays attention more than the average human being. Yeah. Because Screwtape has one mission. Yeah. And it's almost encouraging to think, imagine what our lives could be like if we just laser locked in on one thing. Yeah. And went hard after it. He could really do something great. Well, and he's apparently, as you'll read through the book, he's been quite successful at his mission. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Screwtape immediately begins, I mean, the start of every, of every letter is my dear Wormwood, mm-hmm. almost affectionately, yes. but we know how sinister it is. And the end of each letter, at least I think most of them end with your affectionate Uncle Screwtape. Yeah, <laughs> even after he's been really mean to him. Yeah, he just does a, really abusive. A, yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is totally an abusive relationship. <laughs> um, so Screwtape immediately begins chapter one with what I read as a slight to our thinking today. And what I have here right at the end of the preface, it says C.S. Lewis Magdalene College. He signs off uh, July 5th, 1941. Okay. So remember what we talked about in the preface, how C.S. Lewis is writing to his time, the 1940s, and it sounds like he's writing to 2022. Yes. And so we use the word prophetic loosely because he seems to be speaking to our generation just as much as to his. Right, exactly. So Screwtape immediately begins with this, how I read it, as a slight to our thinking today. But I hesitate to say that this is Wormwood's thoughts, because I think Lewis is saying what he really wants to say here through Wormwood. What do you think? You mean through Screwtape? Yes, through Screwtape okay, okay. to Wormwood, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, th- I think he's trying to say yes. What he So one thing I'll go into before you read this. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I listened to a few lectures this week to just try and get some context for the writing of the book and everything. And the, the, the style of literature here is satire. And so it's, it's criticizing Lewis. He's, he, he's cri- going to continue to criticize his culture through screw tape. Right. Uh, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, satire is, that's the name of the game here. Yeah. Um, Because since it's not just C.S. Lewis saying, oh, look at you Brits, your thinking is wrong, you're a bunch of fools. Yeah. He can almost gain your favor by creating a common enemy. Yeah. So he kind of brings you in to agree with him. Right. So astutely. So he did a good he did a good thing of dodging a bolt himself so everyone yes. wouldn't hate him. Yes. <laughs> but he says some really sharp things. He does. Where it's like you know you read it as screw tape saying that, but you're like, This is what C. S. Lewis wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a clever way to do it. He, he's camouflaged. <laughs> 
So, okay, the situation is that Wormwood is tempting this guy, his patient, yep. to spend, in chapter one, to spend a lot of time with his materialist friend, he yeah. says. Um, arguing with him about life and that this would uh, eventually win over the boy. That is, win him over to hell. But Screwtape refines Wormwood's tactics. And we already get, like, it's brilliant. This The first chapter is amazing. Yeah. He says, people in the past used to actually practice what they preached, essentially. And that people used to not separate their thoughts from their actions. Do you remember reading that part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it highlighted, yeah. Yeah, but now people are into all kinds of fanciful and contradictory thinking and arguments without combining it to the actual lived life. Yep. So you kind of read that little sting or slight to people's thinking. But that was for the 1940s. Right. And this is 2022. And if anything, we're only seeing that even more prevalent. Why is that? Not that I was around in the 1940s, but I can only imagine that it's gotten worse. It feels like it's gotten worse in my own lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So the more I thought about this, I wondered if Lewis was really right. I mean, doesn't everyone hold contradictions in their thoughts and actions, including the infallible C.S. Lewis. <laughs> I'm sure we all do. Yeah. But it seems like what he's saying is not that everyone back then in the 40s was totally integrated then, and now everyone in our time is in shambles. Right. But rather, kind of like how you put it, there seems to be an increased disconnection Yeah. between people's thoughts and their actions today. Yeah. I mean, he, he was writing in the 1940s, so... Do you do you really think that it is even more so today? I think it has to be. Yeah, why do you think that well, is? Well, I mean, relativism has gotten only stronger. Me- meaning the, the, what? The, the in idea, case people don't know. Yeah, the idea that that there is no absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Um, that that truth is subjective to what I deem it to be, mm. how I feel. Which Lewis is going to get, I mean, this whole chapter is a massive sting against that, like yeah. just jab against that line of thinking. <laughs> or really for it on the side of the demon, but against it as a, oh, this is actually negative. Which is another telling thing, right? Yeah. To lean into it would be demonic. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, <clears throat> the idea that I'm, so I should probably warn Greg and all of you, I'm not Uh-oh. afraid to just say things. So <laughs> if you get offended, don't blame Greg. I, I might be a loose cannon it's sometimes. It's not scripted. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous. No, we're just going to go with it. I don't care. But to, to like, to, as a society, give legitimate credit to the idea that we could define our gender... Hmm. is insanity. So you're going there already. I'm already there. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> but um, not to offend anybody, but just like we don't get to define that. That's hmm. been defined already. Whether you believe in God or not, if you only believe in materialism, then the then biology has defined it for you. If, if, if you believe in, in God, then God has created it in you. But you don't get to label it or define it. It's not in, in actual reality objective truth realm that's not a thing Hmm. 
but we've made it a thing in the subjective and we're trying to force people to accept that as an objective truth and it's not okay so this puts us into um, we need to define what we think Lewis means by or by what Screwtape and Wormwood are talking about with their materialist friend what, what does that mean to be a materialist or how are you taking that well a materialist would be someone that only believes in the material universe right there's nothing supernatural. Right. So just what you what you see is what you get. Yeah. What we have is the physical world, and that's how we, we get by in life. Right. Right. Yeah, that's how I was taking it, too. Absolutely. So Wormwood gives this really deceiving piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cause the boy or the patient to argue about what is true about materialism. Rather, make him argue about how it is strong, stark, or courageous. Yeah. What do you think he's after there? I think he's he's talking about. Well, if we look at the words he's you you read there, strong, stark, or courageous. That it is the philosophy of the future. Those are all very emotive things. Like he's 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 reaching yeah. like touching on. Emotion and sensation and feeling, um, rather than actual truth. Uh-huh. Now, sometimes we can have an emotion that is true, but oftentimes it's purely our subjective emotion and not an, an actual truth. Um, so I think he's he's trying to encourage him to keep keep the patient in this realm of sensation, right? But sensational and make that his pursuit or his ultimate goal in life. Doesn't it seem like Screwtape wants Wormwood to already prod this guy into his own self-deception mm-hmm. and put the patient into a self-deceiving mode where if you come up with an opinion and you attach really flashy words like stark or courageous or strong, like I strongly believe this, yeah, or you know, I courageously believe this, it sounds like it almost sounds like you really do believe it but because of your word choice you're leaving room to where you don't actually have to stake a claim right and so he makes this distinction um, don't let them think of doctrines as primarily true or false but as academic practical outworn or contemporary conventional or ruthless jargon, jargon. not argument is your best ally yeah it's like oh yeah. So and don't take a stance on anything, but use really powerful words to where you're almost there. Yeah, but so you're you, not. You almost take a stand on all right. these things, but you really don't. Right. And so there, um, I want. I got a couple thoughts here. First, I wanted to. I, I wanted to look up the definition of jargon because it's not a word that I hear used a lot, and mm-hmm. I kind of understood it, but mm-hmm. I was like, I want to make sure I know what he means. But so that there's a few definitions I came up with. Special words or expressions that are used by a particular profession or group and are difficult for others to understand. That's one. Okay. Obscure, obscure and often pretentious language marked by circumstic, uh, circumlocations and long words. Uh-huh. So that's kind of putting flash on things. Yeah. And then confused, unintelligible language was another. There were some more, but those were three or four that I thought sounded they might give, shed light on, on what he's saying there. Yep. Um, I, so, I, and then the other thought I had, uh, 
the idea that you just shared of using using flashy words or whatever to where you're almost there but not quite. Uh-huh. Um, getting, I think, I think, I see that a lot in the world. Um, and one example, and I really love this guy, and I think he has a lot of wisdom and does a lot of good in the world. But one one character that comes to mind uh, that at least as myself as a Christian I hear so many good things from come from him I'm like man you're almost you're almost there and he's there on a lot more areas than I am but when it comes to ultimate truth is is um, Jordan Peterson man he's it's so close but that that unwillingness to recognize the truth of Christianity I think is 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 where he's just he's almost there but not quite I thought he was a Christian I don't think so. No. Maybe he is. I'm pretty sure. I've looked, I, I, I thought he wasn't. Huh. Maybe we should edit this part out. <laughs> I want to say I'm pretty sure that he is now. But, is he? Um, yeah. Okay. But uh, I don't, well, I don't I really re- know. Can either. I recant my statement? <laughs> he is. I looked into it not too long ago and I couldn't find something where he definitively admitted that he, he was a believer in this. Okay. See, I've seen an interview where they asked him about it, and he said there there was no other thinking that he could have. Okay. And he was crying, of course. Yeah. But so I don't know. Okay, we'll just forget. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Never mind. We'll just stop with my definition of jargon. <laughs> well, what's cool about his conversion, if it happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that you can see his his line, his progression. Yeah. Of thought. Oh like yeah. Said where he's, he seems to almost get there, and then, from what I, now I second guess. Yeah. Uh, it's like he, he says really profound things. Yeah. Because he's he's made those claims, and yeah. If there's anything anybody can say about him, whether you like him or not. And I do like him. Is his <laughs> integrity or conviction? Yeah. I mean, this isn't a podcast about celebrating Jordan Peterson, no. but I think it's hard to look at his character and not be moved by it, at least for the time oh, being. Oh, I agree. Yeah. To not be afraid to say something that... Let's say, whether or not you're right about your truth claim, the fact that he takes a stand and says it is true, is there anything admirable about that anymore? Yeah. I mean, like, isn't it funny that we have to sit here and say we marvel at someone who believes what they say is true? Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't that sound funny to say that? But that is actually an issue that we have today. Yeah. To say something and really believe it and say that it's true um, today is called arrogance. Yeah. Don't you think? I would agree with that. And that's the, that's the, that's the, so if I'm wrong in my statement, then I apologize. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, um, and again, I, I think he's a really great guy and. I learn a lot from him, but um, it's the it's the same thing that it's it's the idea that screw tape is pushing Wormwood to do to create this this world in which within his patient in which there you don't claim an absolute truth, right? You don't settle on one thing. Mm-hmm. You're lost in the jargon, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's encouraging. I, I think that's the thing, like we said, stands out about Peterson. It stands out about this this patient trying to get him away from making any type of truth claims or, or claims where he says, this is just false, this yeah. is wrong. There's there's no space for that today. Yeah. Interestingly enough, if this was something <clears throat> that C.S. Lewis was trying to communicate to his generation, um, 
we're still in the same boat. Yeah. And G.K. Chesterton, I think this is what I love so much about his writing, is he talks about all the time, it was like his his bone to pick was that. He's like, I don't even care if the person is wrong anymore. Where is the person who stands up for what they think is right? Sure. (laughs) And there's, in other words, there's got to be something admirable in standing up for what you think is true. Sure. And standing up against what you think is false. But man, it's just so bizarre to think that like, I feel this temptation even in this podcast to not want to go there because someone's going to disagree with you and they could get mad at you or you could lose yeah. friends it, to stand for truth feels like social suicide sometimes yeah. like um, isn't that something it is but we talked about in the preface like is it really better to go the alternate route and just make everything uh, Burger King have it your way you know no, what I mean sure. uh, because then you get to relativism and it's like with the most exaggerated example, that won't work in the long run. Right. Because if I just take take your cell phone from you or something and you say, hey, that's mine. And I say, well, I don't care. I like it. It's mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, relativism would have you say that you can't say anything about it because right. what works for you works for you. And what works well, for me works for me. Yeah. But yeah. me taking your cell phone works for me. Yeah. You're like, well, no, that doesn't work for me. So, yeah. <laughs> well, then who, who gets it? And there's got to be something above that mm-hmm. to moderate that, right? Yeah. And of course, I think Lewis, although he's hitting on that here in chapter one, he addresses it head on in Mere Christianity. Sure. He starts off with that, I think it's that illustration about um, maybe like two people on a bus or something like that, and one trips over the other. I can't remember the exact illustration, but they get to a point where one person needs to decide if what happened was wrong mm. and if or he says to you like you took my orange or something like that and if you say like that was wrong you're immediately in a space of moderating good and evil yeah. right and wrong the true and false spaces and it's just it's just really bizarre to take a step back and look at our situation in 2022 he's writing in like 1941 and here we are still hashing this out. Yeah. Well, and it's strange to think about it in your own personal life, too. And at least for me, and, and maybe I am in a conflict with somebody or my spouse, and I present my case, and I think it sounds really rational until I stop talking. Yeah. And then I go, before the other person even starts, I start to realize in my mind, well, that's really convenient for me, isn't it? <laughs> but that doesn't make it an ultimate truth that they have to abide by. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So if we look at the, the opposite end of this, what is the positive thing about our culture today that stands against making truth claims? Like, what, what led the pendulum to swing the complete opposite direction and say, stay away from truth claims because they're hurting people? What do you think about that? Like I'm thinking maybe let's take the church for example capital C church there are plenty of churches that have hurt people seriously hurt them and brought trauma on them making truth stances it makes a lot of sense then to say I don't want anything to do with your truth claims because they actually turned out not to be truth claims but power stances sometimes that happens yeah sometimes 
sometimes that happens and that can get a lot of attention and blow up really big and I think sometimes you have situations where a truth claim really was taken and because we're imperfect and we're fallible it's not taken in the best way and so people get hurt because we made mistakes as we took the stance but it was still a genuine stance and sometimes but sometimes it's the other where, where someone made a power play or or tried to hide something or yeah you know and maybe the biggest truth claim people can make today is to say i'm sorry yeah <laughs> to, and yeah. see that reminds me i read a meme i think it was just this morning actually <clears throat> And a guy like opened up a systematic theology book and he read it and he said, this is my new personality. Meaning like, once you read a systematic theology, you kind of take on the persona of the book you're reading. But okay. then the subcaption in the meme said, just kidding, I would never put myself in a box like that. And I was just kind of like, it didn't, the meme didn't sit right with me because how I interpreted what they were saying was to get into systematic theology is to put yourself or to put God in a box. Mm. And um, that's true to a certain extent, but the opposite is true too. And I think that's what Lewis was getting at. If you don't take a stance on anything, are you less boxier than if you took a stance on something? Like, aren't we all... I think you're just in a different box. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all in the same conundrum, yeah. you know? like well. Because you still have your systematic rules, even exactly. if you don't realize it or aren't aware of it. Right. You know, you still have the rule of, well, you can't say that. You know, everything is true as long as, as, long as it fits into my idea that everything is true. But if any... But if I, as a Christian, say, well, no, I don't think that's true, you just said everything was true, and now you're telling me what I said isn't true. Right. So you're in a box, too. Yeah. And so at least, you know, this this is just kind of my... I come back to this a lot about theology. Um, you hear a lot, I, I want to say anecdotally at least, not like statistically, but sure. what I hear often... Um, I mean, this is Wichita, Kansas, right? right? It's the heart of the Bible Belt. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I hear quite often, um, don't don't give me theology, just give me Jesus, or things yeah. along that line. Yeah. Like, all, all I need is my Bible. I don't need any man, right. human being, to tell me what to think or believe. If that's what people mean by systematic theology, I understand what they're saying. Because when they say, don't give me theology, I think they're saying, like, don't give me some kind of power grab to put me in a position to think something that might be abusive or harmful, mm -hmm. because I've seen how that's played out in the past. However, that's not what I mean by right. the term. When I say theology, I mean my knowledge and study of God. Right. And when I just stick closely to that definition, then there really is no way to not ever do theology. Yeah. Because you can't say anything about God without making a theological statement. Right. Even the person who says, don't give me theology, just give me the Bible, all you have to ask is why. Yeah. Well, that in and of itself is almost a theological statement. Right. You ask why, yeah. and then they give you the statement. And yeah. you're like, well, we're just doing theology. Yeah. And so if I could make the, dis the distinguishing mark in, in hopes that it would be like healing for our 
our day is um, there's been a lot of abuses and people have experienced a lot of pain um, but if we just you know you don't throw out the baby with the bath water or yeah you know uh, misuse doesn't always mean disuse yeah. and to just know that when we say theology I'm with people when they are against abuse and power grabs but I'm also still with theology in the sense that um, that's our knowledge of God sure and maybe that's what Lewis was after. Yeah. I don't know. You've been listening to Only an Inkling. If you like this podcast, you already know what to do. 